3: It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander.
4: So those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Tuesday morning to you. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the sports betting network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app. Any way you take it, Vison, we appreciate it. Uh, good show planned today. Dan Bespris on the National Basketball Association. Mark Borchard on MLB. Paul Spore as well. We'll talk a little uh, spin rate. and uh, what, are, what are some of the pitchers we might be able to isolate here? To fade in a spin rate plummeting situation, the spin rate going having gone down from last year to this year. I think that's the uh, that's the brand new angle to uh, to take on some of these. Uh, Paul Carr will join us each and every day this week at the end of the show to talk Euro twenty twenty as well. Didn't get it done with Poland uh, yesterday, but we'll see if we can uh, get him back on the right track today. So a whole bunch of everything. Oh, and uh, Drew Dinsick on both the NBA. And anything else, we want to talk about golf and tennis, and we'll see what we get into with uh, Drew from the Bet the Edge podcast and the Deep Dive podcast. We'll kick off the show with Drew here momentarily. And and later, um, something that needs no introduction, Jason Kahn, producer number seven, who's here as well. Jason, good morning to you. Um, Something that Kelly Bidlin, the producer of Primetime Action, discovered through Ben Wilson, our own Ben Wilson, that uh, it's basically a time capsule for me. should be fun. Maybe then you'll all understand slow jamming with Vidi at the end of the week <laughs> once and for all. Uh, before we get into anything, two bits of uh, two bits of breaking news. One, apparently, it's not going to be 115 degrees today in Vegas. It's only going to be 113. So that's the first thing I want to get out of the way. 115, we'll have to wait till tomorrow. Two, and perhaps more importantly, perhaps more importantly for our for our purposes here, uh, we have a Woj. I won't call this a Woj bomb. It's a bit of a Woj grenade here. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski over at uh, ESPN at Woj ESPN. Uh, talking about James Harden. We have an update on James Harden. James Harden, who yesterday was announced that along with Kyrie Irving, would be out, listed as out, O-U-T out for Game 5 tonight in uh, the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series with that series knotted up at two games apiece as the series goes back to Brooklyn tonight for Game 5 where the Bucks are four-and-a-half point favorites. We see some fours now at uh, places like BetMGM, but Woj reporting that Harden is, is now upgraded to doubtful. Hmm. Hmm. If we could throw up that tweet, Jason, uh, what Woj has to say about this, just to be more specific about that upgrade is that, uh, James Harden is expected to test his hamstring and shoot around today and has been determined to try and find a way to get cleared to play game five sources tell ESPN. There are no guarantees on his status, But Harden is trying to play with the series knotted up at two games apiece. So, I mean, again, this is so representative of the entire NBA season, regular season, and postseason. You just don't know who's playing until perhaps right before game time. I I mean, we've got, what, 13 and a half hours before opening tip tonight? Who knows? But there is now some... uh, just a little crack in the uh, in the door, if you will, about James Harden playing tonight in that game. I, I will say this. and We talked about this on Primetime Action last night with Matt Brown, Daniel Alvarez, and Kelly Bidlin, which is we're all very surprised that that report came out so soon about James Harden being out yesterday. You'd have thought, one, for a competitive kind of edge, perhaps, they would have kept that shut whether they knew it or not. They would have kept that you know announcement down, till closer to game time to begin with. So the fact that he was listed as out so early was strange to begin with. Also, you know, again, you don't know much from a guy being spry on the sidelines of any NBA game, but it kind of looked like James Harden was feeling good anyway in terms of springing off a bench. So you almost surmised he would be back. But it's one thing for Kyrie to have been ruled out so early, an entirely different thing for James Harden to have been. Uh, But it looks like, doubtful ain't out so we'll see maybe as, as Woj said it might still not play but who knows bucks right now four and a half point favorites courtesy of the com consensus lines let's bring him in as as promised from the deep dive podcast and the bet the edge podcast over there at NBC sports it's our buddy drew dinsick you can follow him on twitter at whale underscore capper that's a bit of news there drew huh
5: it was yeah i'm surprised that realistically i did not expect to see harden this round of the playoffs Considering, you know, a hamstring re-injury, that's usually a bad, uh, you know, a two to three week type of deal. Um, and, you know, Harden really didn't, you know, it didn't seem like there was urgency, obviously, after the first two games, even after most of game three. Uh, and now the fact that he's going to, you know, hustle back in, um, I mean, you know, good for him from a competitive standpoint, but uh, I still have a tough time seeing how the Brooklyn Nets get out of this one. Um, it, this feels an awful lot like the Anthony Davis and the Lakers against the sun situation where, uh, you know, it was like, Oh, backs against the wall. Uh, well, Davis might play game five. Well, he's not going to play game five, Well, we're going to put him out there game six. And then he got it re-injured in the first quarter. So, you know, it, it's, it's, there are a lot of those same sort of, uh, parallels here. Um, you know, though we can talk about the betting market separately and whether the price is fair at minus four, minus four and a half now. Well, let, let's like, talk about uh,
4: that. It's Gil Alexander, Drew Dinsick. It is a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, talking NBA with a host of the Deep Dive and Bet the Edge podcast, wherever podcasts are distributed. Uh, we'll get into some of the things he's doing on Bet the Edge with golf and, and tennis here momentarily. But let's talk about that number. I mean, it's four and a half right at this very moment, right? It was two, then the Harden and, and Kyrie news yesterday about them both being out. This drifted. We saw the funky... Line movement, if you recall, before game two, where everybody's all of a sudden started betting the bucks, even though the Nets even up one, nothing, were still prohibitive favorites in the series, all all kinds of weird shenanigans. Is this a fair number right now? Is there anyone to answer that question?
5: I don't think there's, uh, I don't think you can say it's a fair number or even close. I think yesterday when it was minus three, uh, and there was some pretty strong, uh, you know, strong. Uh, you know, swirling winds among the information community that Kyrie was for sure out and uh, Harden was unlikely. Uh, you know, and uh, and the number was sitting at three. I looked at it and I, you know, tweaked my numbers and said, yeah, three is fair. So now it's at four and a half. That means there is a one and a half point tax if you want to back the back the Bucks here. Um, you can, you know, it, it's it's tough for me to uh, get involved with this Bucks team. At this point, considering what we've seen from them this series, uh, it feels very unjust that they might advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, considering how poorly they played Mm -hmm. in games one, two, and three. Uh, You know, it's it's uh, it's it's there. You know, if they get through, um, you know, you'll have to tip your hat that they, you know, that that they survived, I suppose. But uh, uh, the way that Giannis has played in this series has been extremely unimpressive. Um, the way Middleton has played in this series has been extremely unimpressive. I guess you can give uh, Drew Holiday's defense some credit. He's done a great job of shutting down Joe Harris. But when Joe Harris is the only other option on the floor besides Kevin Durant, uh, that's a little less heavy of a, of a lift. Uh, Kevin Durant is getting triple teamed on almost every meaningful position. He's not going to be able to create offense when that happens. And there's really no other creator on this team. And that's what happens when you, uh, you know, when you assemble a team with three superstars on the offensive end of the ball, uh, you have number one, less resources to populate the rest of your team. Uh, And then what you choose to do in terms of putting pieces around those superstars tend to be players who can shoot like Joe Harris or who can provide a defensive spark. Uh, you know, or, you know, glue guys. Like, so the fact that there's not another creator here from from an offensive standpoint, besides Durant is kind of by design uh, when you lose two of your three superstars. And so it, it, this is uh, an unfortunate situation for the nets considering, you know, I, you know, they were, uh, they were what plus 120 or even money to win the Eastern Conference less than a week ago, and now they're like plus 160 to win this series. <laughs> so it's you know, it's like how things you know, things have changed so uh, fast. And uh, if you want to take a step back even farther, that's kind of been the name of the game for the entirety of these playoffs. I mean, the and you know, the season, were, right? Like the, you know, the season, yeah, the year exactly. of the injury.
4: Every everything is, exactly. is just yeah. I mean, here's the here's the latest NBA Eastern Conference odds per Ben MGM. Bucks now plus one fifty. Nets two to one. Sixers plus two fifty. The Hawks uh, far away at sixteen to one. I, I mean, I keep getting back to this. I'll make one more point about this uh, game in this series. I keep getting back to this thing, Drew, about KD. So, so let's say there's there's well there's no Kyrie tonight, but let's say there's no Harden, or we get a few seconds of Harden, and it's basically a KD game. We consider him, and when I say we, I mean people who watch basketball consider him to be either the best player in the world or in the conversation for best player in the world. Yet none of us at his OKC days or his Golden State days have ever seen him have to be the guy at the NBA level with no Robin to his Batman, if you will. Sure. And so it's weird that we consider him as perhaps the greatest player of the world. And yet the betting market perhaps justifiably, right? It's like a, it's like a, a different thing. It's, it's, It's a uh, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance with this. We don't think of him as someone who can carry them to victory by himself, a la, say, LeBron with the Cavs, taking the Cavs to the Eastern Conference uh, title year after year after year, despite getting crushed in the finals as well so many times. So, I mean, that's a little weird, isn't it?
5: It is, and, but it actually kind of points to, well, what is it about Kevin Durant's game that, uh, like, if you're going to qualify all of his skills and weaknesses, uh, be probably the only thing that's more than just a baseline, like no weakness at all, is his propensity to turn the ball over when he has the ball in his hand. And if you are a defense or if you're, a, you know, a defensive-minded team, defensive-minded coach, and you, you see he is the only potential creator on the floor... Then it is imperative that you get your guys to be aggressive, try sure. to create the turnover, poke, yeah. swipe him, poke it. You know, like just, you know, just, just disrupt him a little bit because he is sloppy with the with the ball in those moments, uh, and like to a degree. He plays iso. He's not always looking for the perfect pass. He's trying to create a shot for himself for the most part. And you know when when it's when you uh kind of narrow the dimensions in those ways, um you start to be able to create a turnover in a high-leverage situation instead of uh you know where 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 you have LeBron on the floor in that same situation. Number 1, the likelihood that he's going to get a turn, you know, he's going to turn the ball over is a lot lower. And then number 2, he's primarily going to be able to uh, you know, uses vision, uses passing to find the open shooter, the J.R. Smith or the, uh, uh, you know, the, the who are some of the other guys from back in the day? But the booby miles, you know, <laughs> he's going to be able to find those guys open <laughs> yeah. in the corner for, to, to bury the three. Yeah. And so it's like, OK, well yeah so the team overall is greater than the sum of its parts because of what lebron adds you know from a you know from a distribution standpoint and you just don't see anywhere close to that level with durant i mean you know durant is like the perfect kind of batman robin duo kind of guy um because of you know he you know if you have a kyrie irving on the floor and you have two guys that can you know both play ISO uh, and you, you know, kind of, if you're Duran and you use your gravity to bring, you know, half of the defense to one side of the floor, and then you can get the ball to Duran and let him, uh, you know, just carve up the other side. Like that's unstoppable. Um, but the minute that uh, you're the only guy on the floor that can create offense, it starts to get a little dicey. And, you know, kind of, you know, as we're talking here, I'm looking at these Eastern conference odds and like considering everything we've seen this season and sort of the, the way that this has gone, You would have been better off just taking big prices the whole time because Mm -hmm. who the heck knows what happens? Joel Embiid certainly didn't look good last night for the 76ers. Now he's got to go back to you know he's got to got to play one night on, one night off for the rest of this series. Uh, Giannis is seems to have the same sort of playoff um, you know disappearing act this year that he's had in years past, aside from that uh, Miami Heat series. Uh, Nets, you know, I, again, I, I don't expect Kyrie Irving. That that looked like a two-week injury to me. Uh, and similarly, I did not expect Harden back until the Eastern, you know, late in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, considering the the common timetable for a hamstring injury. And, I mean, who knows what happens? Maybe, maybe uh, Harden comes back, they win game five, he gets hurt in game six, but the Nets eke it out anyway, and then you have Kevin Durant only uh, in your Eastern Conference Finals against the Hawks, well, we, sixteen <laughs> to one is going to look pretty damn good. So, I, we, I, I yeah. mean, you probably want to be taking big prices or thinking about that, considering the way that this season and injury and attrition has really buried some of these key players.
4: It's just so impossible to know anything um, with all that's been going on. So, so tonight, again, it's one game tonight and it is Milwaukee, Brooklyn, 830 Eastern, 530 Pacific with Milwaukee as, as of this moment, four, or four or and a half point favorites. And again, we'll see if Harden plays or not last night, drew uh, Atlanta comes from behind uh, trailed by as many as 18, comes from behind to beat Philadelphia 103 to 100. Philadelphia had this awesome run, awesome spurt at the, you know, towards, I should say, late second quarter to build a huge lead. But Trey Young, maybe maybe in, in some ways more impressive last night than any game where he drops 40. Uh, he ends up with 25 points and 18 assists. But you mentioned Embiid. Embiid 0 for 12 from the field in the second half. And Atlanta. Somehow, and I still don't really quite know how, even watching it over, gets this series evened up at two games apiece. The betting market appears to agree with that sentiment. Philadelphia touchdown favorites now in Game 5. No one really uh, buying into that Hawks win, it seems.
5: I I am surprised, honestly, that the market is this cool still. And even even before that Game 4, the series price didn't really make a ton of sense to me. Now, of course, I have some Sixers, and I did not fire on Hawks, and I feel silly about it, but, uh, you know, I, I, they, the longer the series goes, the more the balance of power tilts back in favor of the Hawks because the Hawks, you know, they have a healthier squad top to bottom. They have a better second unit. Uh, you know, they, the, it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, they've figured out a couple of key uh, adjustments to either put Embiid on parts of the floor where he's not as comfortable shooting, or Embiid just the physical toll of these playoffs on the torn meniscus is starting to manifest in in terms of affecting his offense. But he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look anywhere close to the player we saw in games one, two, and three. And yeah, you have to if you're going to go to the well and back the Sixers minus seven. Um, you know, you better have some high confidence that Embiid is going to be the guy you saw in game one, two, and three, and not the guy you saw in game four because he is so pivotally you know, he's so, so fundamentally important to this team in terms of what they do offensively, you know, in with their starting five with their closing five. And, you know, I, I went into last night's game looking at the loss of Danny green thinking, well, you know, he's kind of a a three and D guy, but he only plays defense nowadays. So, and they're really not having an issue at all defending the Hawks. So why, you know, why in the world would his uh, absence really mean much um but sure enough it felt like uh their their five man rotation was a little different without him on the floor um and you know part of that was uh you know Trey Young being able to find the open guy being a little bit more comfortable with his dribble and pass and uh, it was uh it was a very surprising result um but at the same time uh you know the the margin between these two teams hasn't really ever felt that that big. You saw, you know, comfortable wins in games two and three for the Sixers, you know, but, uh, that game one for the Hawks, you know, the way they played in, in uh, the first half of that one was pretty spectacular. And if they can find that level in game five, you know, they real they only need one more win in Philly and, uh, you know, for, for as good as the Sixers have been in Philly over the last several years, um, you know, they're starting to see some attrition for injury. So I'm. I'm going to do some serious soul searching and potentially you know, get involved with some Hawks futures at this point, just because the numbers don't seem right, considering how much uncertainty we have around injury in particular.
4: Yeah, it's one of these theories, too. You said, you know, it never really feel that there's a lot of gap between these two teams. And then there are moments where I would say it does. You just have to wait five minutes and then it doesn't anymore because it's just a very <laughs> spurty kind of. Uh, series. I again. I still don't know how Atlanta managed to pull that off. I don't know how the Sixers missed on that final sequence last night. <laughs> I just have no clue. Um, but it is two to two. Like all of these remaining series are. Obviously, Phoenix got through with the sweep. The Clippers in Utah are two to two now. After the Clippers won by fourteen last night, a game in which the Clippers led by double digits for the last 43 minutes and 45 seconds of the game, which is to say, basically, under five minutes uh, into it, they led by double digits the rest of the way. Do you almost feel the Jazz, you just mentioned the Hawks have to win on the on the Sixers' home court at, at some point, do you almost feel like the Jazz are are sort of now, and I, Donovan Mitchell said this after the game, "Is was like, well, they haven't done anything, they just won on their home court. I almost <laughs> read into that, like, the Jazz have drifted now into this mode of, well we're just going to win the games at home and we'll get by through this. It, it just feels like it's drifting towards that mentality.
5: I, that to me, that was a little, little false confidence, a little bravado from Mitchell more mm-hmm. than it was uh, well, we'll just take care of business at home. Um, the Clippers made a couple of very smart tactical dis, uh, adjustments after game two. Uh, and if you kind of break down the rotation, so, the, one of the funny, weird things, I guess, and maybe this was part of the plan, maybe it's just been by accident, but Ty, Ty Lu has kind of used the early games in these two series so far to really, uh, you know, let's try everything. Experimental. Let's, yes. let's, let's throw all the pieces on the floor <laughs> yes. and, and we'll mix them up and see what's working. Uh, and then ultimately, a couple of smart basketball people that I listen to have always been like, well, it should be these guys. And by game three, four, he figures out, oh, it should be these guys. And by these guys, I mean more Terrence Mann, uh, you know, you know, less Luke Kennard when Donovan Mitchell's on the floor, less Zubach when Mitchell's on the floor, Uh, you know, more, you know, more of the lengthy wing type guys who can, uh, you know, who can switch effectively. And the other thing that comes hand in hand with when you're, you know, when you're doing. Uh, all of these diff- different rotation pieces together, communication is lost. You have a ha- much harder time, uh, you know, effectively communicating, especially on the defensive side of the floor. And what the Clippers do most effectively on defense is switch. Everybody can kind of guard everyone, which is brilliant when you have, you know, that these these this quality caliber of of one-on-one defender. And so the Clippers switch, switch, switch. But you absolutely have to have clear communication when you're doing that or else it turns into a mess. And what we saw in games one and two from the Clippers defensively was a mess. And then what you saw in the first quarter from them defensively where everybody knew their roles and responsibilities, communication was crystal clear. They were absolutely superlative. Defensively, doing that scheme, and so it's going to be pretty important now for Utah to figure out. Okay, well, um, they're going to roll this out again in Game Five. How are we going to combat that? What is our approach here? And you know, they've they've slid a little too far into the. We'll let Mitchell kind of dictate the offense, and you know, lots of ISO Mitchell, and then other guys can shoot, and Rudy can cut, and then that's just what we'll do in the half court sets. It, they need to be. They need to have something more creative than that because the Clippers switch defenses. Is smothering them, uh, and I would currently, at least until seeing what the Jazz come up with uh, from an offensive wrinkle standpoint, I would lean Clippers in Game Five and Clippers to win the series four-two at this point. Oh, okay. Although, I Leonard why Leonard didn't play in some kind of important moments in that fourth quarter. Yeah. He was on the, he was on the bench with the knee injury. So, you know, if he's, if this becomes the Paul George show, all of a sudden, then I'm feeling a lot less confident. The Clippers can can get through.
4: All right. We'll come back. Uh, We'll get Drew's thoughts on the United States open. uh, The third major of the golf season. See if he has any bets in pocket on that. And how is he attacking Wimbledon with no grass data to speak of coming back on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network.
3: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
4: With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your stadium should ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. It won't take you but a few minutes. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM. State-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms of the conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It's Gil Alexander, Drew Dinsick from the Deep Dive podcast, which he does with his buddy Andy Molitor and uh, also NBC's, uh, his new NBC Sports bet the edge podcast uh drew so just to clarify let's run down the basketball bets you want to get involved with the hawks now in some futures and you really like the clippers in game five in the series does that cover it
5: yeah that's about it and i mean if i say for the series I, i'm absolutely buried in clippers series money already so i don't think i'm going to add any Hot committed uh, I,
4: yes that's <laughs> <laughs> well okay yeah,
5: I, it's, it's not uh it's not high conviction but uh i do think that uh, the way that they've you know, assuming that Kawhi Leonard stays healthy, assuming he can give us 35, 40 minutes in games five, game six, I think the Clippers close this out in six.
4: All right, U.S. Open this week. Torrey Pines,
5: what bets do you have so far? U.S. Open is a tough call, man. I've, I look at the you know the way that the market is shaped, and it looks very, very difficult to bet into the outright market as, as currently lined. I want to be as bullish as the market is on John Rahm, considering how his form looked before his COVID absence. Uh, and really, the way that Torrey Pines plays, uh, compared to his kind of strengths, weaknesses, style of play, is so perfect that this has sort of been a match made in heaven. Where when I saw this on the calendar uh, heading into this season, I was like, "Rams Maiden Title, on, you know, Rams R- Maiden uh, Major, right there." Torrey Pines, like that's the spot. It was like you know the the perfect uh, setup for him. Now the COVID absence is potentially going to have an impact because he was, you know obviously in quarantine for the last 10 days instead of you know playing golf and kind of being on his normal routine uh and so i'm going to lay off of the outright market here and really look for um an opportunity to get involved live after we start to see some you know movers and shakers early in the tournament Rahm is the kind of guy that builds into these majors like his best uh rounds of golf have been saturday sunday predominantly so i don't think you really are risking losing uh a, you know much edge there by waiting and trying to get an even better price on Rom once one because this is a stacked field uh you know you have obvious you know past major champions and bryson and brooks and um you know and speed and the others in the mix as well as uh, of course guys who could win their first major like xander shoffley uh pops with my numbers on this course tony finau pops with my numbers on this course and you know so there's there are a lot of uh you know this is a top heavy um, potential leaderboard. Um, I would be surprised if anyone in the forty to eighty to one range really comes out of the woodwork like a Gary Woodland, uh, or uh, you know we've seen in the U.S. Opens past there's been some surprises. I, that doesn't look like the way that this sets up at all, considering that the course is uh, you know is is um, it's as difficult as it is, and and in particular really plays to the guys who can kind of overpower it from a you know from a strength standpoint as as instead of guys who have sort of the precision striking. So it's a uh, it is a difficult, um, outright market to handicap at this point. Um, but I ultimately think Rom lifts the trophy and I'm going to try to get a better price than 10 to one. I like it.
4: I like that. Um, you immediately tied him into Tory pines when you saw the schedule. So that, uh, it says a lot and they'll play it by ear, maybe a better price after round one, say, uh, let's go to tennis briefly. Wimbledon in two weeks, the quality started in two weeks. I mean, it's just the quickest turnaround ever from clay, the slowest service to grass, the fastest we, we you know, clay season again for, for me, besides a couple horrible days in the first round of the French Open, clay season was glorious, absolutely spectacular. We have no data for grass drew. Like, what are you doing to approach this?
5: Yeah. I was trying to update my ELO numbers for, for grass that I was, because uh, you know, last year there was nothing. Uh, this year we have just a couple of tournaments and a couple of players who have kind of done well. And the first thing that popped as I did a sort of a raw crunch was the number two player on grass coming into this tournament is Marin Cilic. And I'm like, well, that's insane. Uh, (laughs) and yes, he's good. He's good on grass. And, but he, that's only, my numbers are only saying that because he happened to win Stuttgart and he did it impressively (laughs) and it was a very weak field. Um, but, uh, so I, mean, I think the easy answer is Djokovic is so far superior uh, to the entire rest of the field in terms of his grass quality uh, that you have to just kind of accept the fact that, uh, you know, any price you can get in the plus money range is probably a fair price on him because he's going to have a comfortable draw too. And then anyone's guess who the second choice is, I can make a case for Medvedev, I can make a case for Sissipas, I can make a case for Bertini. Um Those are the three kind of guys that are have the, have, the, have the potential to have a high quality uh, grass showing, I think, of the younger crew. We think
4: alike, sir. I said Medvedev and Berrettini as the other two guys uh, outside of Djokovic yesterday, based on the value. We'll talk women's side next week. Drew, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Drew Densing, everybody, for the Deep Dive podcast at Bet the Edge, right here at Veasan, the Sports Betting Network. Mark Borchard on baseball next. Oh, and a uh, a Gil Alexander time capsule. It's a numbers game at Veasan, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
4: Baseball season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our Visa experts give you all the tools to make the most of every baseball bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on Visa.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, Good baseball season thus far here, betting preflops, 17-10. and Wish I had played. You remember when we were talking baseball yesterday, I was like, I really want to play the Mets. I really want to fade Jake Arrieta, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. Wish I had. Mets win at 5-2 to two behind a uh, nice uh, performance from Peterson. Arrieta, not your 2015 Jake Arrieta. So 17-10 and 10 is where we stand, plus 7.41 units. I do have a play today. This is sort of going back to the well on our last loss, which, if you recall, was a Dallas Keuchel-pitched White Sox game where I had the over in the first five, and three runs were plated in the first inning, and we never could quite get to that fifth run. We ended up with four runs on a four and a half. We needed five for an over first five. Uh, I'm doing the same thing here. Over four, minus 125. The first five of the White Sox-Rays game today is at 8-10 Eastern, start 5-10 Pacific at Chicago. It's McClanahan against Keiko Labattle uh, there in uh, Chicago between two lefties. So it's over four minus one twenty-five first five, and again the reasoning stands the same. Even though we didn't get it done last time, the reasoning is is twofold. One, the White Sox against lefties, the number one team in baseball when it comes to weighted on base, a three fifty-two weighted on base against left-handed pitchers, and a phenomenal record just in terms of win losses against lefties. But that three fifty-two weighted on base is what I'm uh, focused in on. Number one in all of baseball. Um so that's going for us in terms of hitting the over. And then it's it's Keikel who didn't get, you know, didn't fall in line to what we were trying to bet last time, but I'll just harken back to his his stats. Forget about the fact that he's, you know, he's got an xERA of of north of 6. His K-rate remains anemic, 13.6%. He simply does not miss bats. Still an elite ground ball pitcher like he always has been. So when he does induce contact, a lot of it is ground ball. But too many balls are in play now. And so it's an over four, minus 125. It could very well push. But I'll take the over four, minus 125. In the Rays, White Sox first five today between Keichel and McClanahan. They're in Uh, in uh, Chicago. That is the baseball play of the day. All right, this needs no introduction. This is on primetime action last night.
1: Gil Alexander, I have a surprise for you. Uh Uh-oh. Our great producer here at uh, Visa Ben Wilson. I like Ben. Yeah, great guy. Really interested in you because he somehow found a gem. On eBay a couple weeks ago and as soon as I saw it I said I must buy this and bring it to the show <laughs> uh-huh. so I presented to the audience Slow Gems. Uh, did you buy we, that? Oh we bought it. Me and Matt Brown bought it immediately. How okay. much did you pay
2: for that? That is none it's of priceless. your business.
1: Look at that guy. Slow Gems with Gil Alexander. I don't even know what year this is from Gil.
4: Look at that guy.
1: Oh my god. Look at that
4: Look at that guy!
1: It's a good-looking um, guy, right there.
4: Uh, He—that must have been—I'm going to say the that late '90s at Camel in San Francisco, which is our. We, I, it, I don't know, it's been many things over the years. At the time we called it an R&B or a CHR station for those that are format. But that was like we we would all make all the DJs would make our own sort of compilation CDs and it was all licensing thing and none of us got rich off of it, but we had a little thing and that was available on eBay. This There's still one up out for there for
1: eBay for $100 <laughs> awesome. signed by Gil Alexander. $100 signed by Gil Alexander on the back. Don't worry, I lowballed him, Gil. I got it for 70, okay? <laughs> Did you really pay 70 bucks yes, for that? Yeah, oh, of yeah. course. Wow. Wow. This classic, are you kidding yeah. me? That it's autographed. Awesome. An original. That's this awesome. This is a must-have for the show. It's signed. <laughs> I, I, there's also, it, there's it's signed. There's a foreword by Gil on it, an intro into the album, which is... Maybe uh, the greatest thing I've ever heard. I didn't want to prep it for the show tonight because I didn't want us getting sued by any uh, any ex affiliates of Gill's, but maybe we can play that tomorrow because it's I'm uh, sure it's, it's lovely. It is it is very special. It uh, is very uh, special. Ben so so let's get back to the Ben Wilson yes. part. Was he uh, was he stalking right now? I or don't, or I don't really know. It's maybe something you want to check up on, Gil, but he was <laughs> like he was like, Hey, have you
4: seen Please. this? That was my old jock card, that photo <laughs> right there.
1: He goes, Have you seen this? Uh, this C D of Gil is Old, his old uh, stuff. He used to, I'm like, what are you talking about? He sent piece. me this link. I'm like, I texted Matt immediately. I'm like, I'm buying this right now. And I said, I will chop it with you.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I will chop it with you.
1: that's what I said.
4: Oh man, back in the day. By the way, they misspelled my name on the uh, CD. That should should tell you the quality
1: of the production of that. One of the best parts of this is us scrambling downstairs today to try to find a way we could even play the CD to listen to your intro. CD. A CD, because we just didn't have, we had one computer downstairs that actually still had a a CD slot. Yeah, man, that was a lifetime ago. Oh, uh, nice. a was, lifetime ago. It was, I, I almost worked it into fruit baskets today, but I couldn't. I couldn't uh, find the guy's name on you. I bag. just cannot believe you paid seventy bucks for that. That's classic. We bought money am, guns. I like, come percent- on! I am so flattered that you paid that kind of scrilla. Oh my gosh! This is going to be worse, especially after the promo it got on the show today. I might put this up for resale. I might be able to yeah. get triple off of that. Uh, get a double get, autograph. Yeah, I'm going to get Gil to sign it again. Double autograph.
4: Look at that kid! Not a worry in the world.
1: <laughs> uh, or, uh, the uh, I, the the inside cover with your like Steve Jobs turtleneck. Oh, it's just yeah,
7: that's, I was that Lovely sweater. Oh, I just.
1: Yeah, thank you. Very much. I mean,
4: That's I can't believe you guys mind. did that. I am, yeah. uh, I am mortified and, and yet flattered
1: at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> Yeah, you should be. I think that was yeah. the exact feelings we were going for. That's what yeah. we were going for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what we were going for.
4: There's so many things to this. One, we're not sure if Danielle knew what a CD was. That's the first thing you got to get out of the way. Uh, two, who in the heck had this on eBay for 20 years? We were. Jo- I was joking with Kelly afterwards that Ben Wilson secretly had a CD and actually sold it back to Kelly for, for $70 on this. Uh, and that audio that he's referring to at the very beginning of that CD, where it's what, where I actually intro it, so it's me 20-plus years ago introing songs on a CD, uh, we will play that audio on Slow Jamming with Vinny later this week. How about that, Jason? Can we make that happen on Friday? So if you're ever wondering, why does he say Slow Jamming with Vinny? That was always an homage to this time in my life, because as soon as I heard Vinny speak for the first time, I'm like, holy crap, this guy's like the Slow jamming bookmaker with his dulcet tones. So that's what that's about. So we'll play the audio on Friday, something to look forward to in the dead of June to make further fun of me. By the way, I, I showed this to, uh, as it, so Kelly gave it to me last night as I went home, as I drove home from primetime action. And I, uh, I showed it to my uh, girlfriend's 14 year old daughter. And I think she's traumatized for life. She was like, ugh, oh, get away from me. It's disgusting. You can. There is nothing cool to a 14-year-old about anything you've ever done in life. Uh, we'll come back. We'll try to talk baseball. Mark Borcher, get his picks of the day right here.
3: to A numbers game with Gil Alexander.
4: Discover BetMGM, the kick of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use bonus code VESIN100 when you place your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM, new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble, respect. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander. I feel like I should reimburse uh, Kelly and... Uh, Matteo and Matt Brown, Kelly Billin and Matt Brown, $35 each. I cannot believe they spent $70 on that. Todd Wright, who I consider the greatest radio host, sports radio host of all time, uh, all night with Todd Wright back in the uh, classic days of ESPN radio, he just texted me. He said, Love the CD segment. In case we never brought it up, somewhere I have a VHS tape of my appearance on MTV's remote control. Others have attempted to find my episode online, and nobody succeeded. I won the game in a route and then lost in the bonus round playing for a car. Do you remember remote control? Ken Olin? Absolutely. Colin Quinn and Adam Sandler? Back when Adam Sandler was a wee tot. Kari Wurr? Kari Wurr. Oh, I forget Kari Wurr, for goodness sakes. I, I buried the headline. Um, if anybody can find the Todd Wright episode of that. APB, all points bulleted out for that. That would be outstanding to play that. By the way, loved that show. Loved a road control back in the day. Uh, let's uh, find him from an undisclosed location somewhere in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, at Base Winner, it's the Base Winner podcast host, Mark Borchard. How you doing, Mark?
7: I'm doing pretty good. Little little tough connection here. But little...
4: Uh-oh. Tough connection on Mark Borchard. Let's re-rack that, everybody. Let's re-rack Mark uh, Borchardt, uh, Base Winner. Uh, as we try to get him to get his baseball uh, plays of the day again, a uh, a full card of baseball today, and if you look up and down again, my play just to uh, reiterate what it was, I am on a first five over between the Rays and the White Sox, first five over four runs, minus one twenty five, McClanahan against Keichel for the reason stated. Uh, there is a Matt Harvey alert as always when Matt Harvey appears on the slate. It is incumbent upon us to note that Matt Harvey pitching, getting the star for the Baltimore Orioles. They're on the road against Cleveland. Uh, the Tribe, minus 170 favorite. So as much as you want to immediately fade the Orioles, it will cost you today at minus 170. Perhaps there's a Moneyline parlay to put that in, if you know what I mean. Um, but they are minus 170. So it was not the one I gravitated towards necessarily and really, I did a bit of a, and we'll talk a little bit more about this with Paul Spoor later. Maybe we'll bring it up with Mark Borchard here. I tried to, uh, Jason Weingarten is really the guy that's doing this. He is trying to isolate the guys that have really dropped off on spin rate. And last night, there was a couple of those guys. Dylan Bundy was on the hill, as was Alex Wood. Dylan Bundy for the Angels, Alex Wood for the Giants. Bundy got crushed. Alex Wood did not so it's it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this plays out with some of these guys, but um, that's kind of what my head is immersed in baseball wise these days, trying to figure that out. Let's go back to the undisclosed location of the desert mark Borchard at base winner how you doing
7: Mark? Gil, much better I thought like, ah. coming in loud and clear. love it there you go
4: so um. I just mentioned something that a a bunch of us are sort of looking into. I mean, everybody's looking into it, but we're trying to sort of find the betting angle on this stuff. Is there anything that you... I mean, do you find it a worthwhile exercise? I guess is the real question, because it might be a futile. It might be a waste of time, because you never know. Like, did Bundy get killed last night because he's just not as good as his stats earlier indicated, or did he get killed because of this spin rate stuff? Like, it, it really is a in many ways perhaps a fool's errand. How do you feel about it?
7: Yeah, well you want to be careful that you don't overreact to, to one performance and I think that what you have to do with this spin rate, it's, it's super important, you have to quantify it. And there's some good material regarding swinging strike rate and you know how much extra spin, you know, say 2600 RPM at 94.3 miles per hour as opposed to 2400 RPM on a fastball. So what I tried to do over the last few days, because I think it's important, is to try to see how it would affect certain pitchers. And, and uh, you know, basically, if you're looking at like a strikeout rate, and you look at like a guy like Trevor Bauer, he's got a 31% strikeout rate right now. But based on these charts, if his uh, RPMs on his four-seam fastball go down 200 RPMs, On average, he's going to lose five percent of his strikeout rate. So it's going to go down from it's and so it's significant. So it's going to go down from from thirty one percent to twenty six percent. Well, what does that mean from a from a run standpoint? Well, you know I can calculate runs based on strikeout rate, walk rate, and ground ball rate. So that's a good component of that. And it's going to go up about a half a run. So actually, six, it's, it's pretty significant, six tenths of a run just on that strikeout rate. And then you bring th- things in like, well, how does, it hit, how does it affect this hard hit percentage? And I haven't gotten that deep. But uh, I, I, can, I can say that on these edge case guys like Bauer and Cole, I think it's going to be about a half a run on their expected ERA. Now, the better the pitcher, the higher the, the, the velocity of the fastball, the more the spin, the more it's going to affect that pitcher. So these middlers. Probably not going to affect him quite as much, but uh, you can see on these edge cases, it can be about a half a run You know?
4: So interesting. So you would focus on el- elite guys dropping off dramatically more than you would sort of mere mortals dropping off significantly to stinking, is what you're saying.
7: Yeah, because as, the, as your... Velo- I'm just looking at four-seam fastball. So as the velocity increases, the change in, in, in RPM, so if you go from 2,700 RPMs and you're throwing 94 to 96 miles per hour on a fastball, uh, you're you're going to strike out 25% of the guys. That's just kind of a blanket thing that they that they did with uh, with a well, large group of data. Now, if it goes down to 2500, it drops to 20.9%. And conversely, if you're only throwing uh, you know 90%, you just don't have that same uh, percentage drop in the strikeout rate. So I'm looking for hard throwers that have you know high RPMs on their on their fastball, particularly, is
4: there a name besides Bauer and Cole that you have isolated as a candidate?
7: No, those are the guys that I've really taken a look at initially. But you know, you have to just go to these these higher spin rate guys, and then you also have to kind of be subjective. You got to kind of look and see. Well, mm-hmm. is it because of the way their mechanics are, or was there like a in Bauer's case? You know, there's a significant increase from 2018 to 2020, and you know that's. That's indicative, obviously, in that he was doing things. He always threw the same way. Maybe there was a few mechanical changes, but he he was applying substance to the ball. Both those guys, Cole and, and and Bauer. So I think you gotta look at that. I think you gotta kinda kinda look at their their spin rates historically. It's it's really a lot of work. It's unnecessary work too. It's it's too bad that the major league baseball can't like standardize a you know their competition, you know, in in NFL they have the competition committee. I don't think they do that in MLB, Gil.
4: <laughs> I don't think they do. Uh, what do you like on today's cards, there?
7: Well, I'm gonna go with uh, the Padres today, and it's a it's a lay the wood special. Mm. You know, I put it out as like minus two ten. It's gone up to minus two fifty. I think it's still a pretty good play, Gil. Uh, I've got it priced at minus two seventy-five. Darvish in the 89th percentile in that three-metric chart. Chichi Gonzalez right. alert. Yeah, and Chichi Gonzalez. Uh, you know, actually, he's a little bit above the next guy I'm going to play against. He's thirty-third percentile in that in that uh, three-metric chart. But I have it priced at minus two seventy-five. I think it's it's a good play. The 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 um, play Padres. discipline chart also likes it as well.
4: Okay, Padres pick number one, laying the wood. Mark Borchard never afraid to lay the wood. What's number two?
7: I think I'm going to go with the Rays tonight, Gil um, McClanahan. I've got it priced against Keuchel. I've got it at minus 106. I think you still can get plus odds on it. Uh, he's in the 72nd percentile in that three metric chart. Keuchel's actually worse than Chichi Gonzalez. He's a 19th percentile in that chart. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't think that Keuchel is very good, and I never have. I always bet against him, and I think this is a pretty good spot to, to play against him, Gil.
4: I don't know if you heard this. I'm guessing you did not. That is my, my play of the day is not exactly yours, but my play of the day is the over four first five in that game, largely because of the White Sox prowess against lefties offensively and because I don't buy into Keuchel either. At all, he's just missing. He he just absolutely, uh, you know, is his strikeout rate is anemic this year. And I know he's inducing ground balls, but I'll take a guy who pitches to contact uh, over four minus one twenty five in this matchup. I don't know how you feel about that.
7: Yeah, no, that's a great play. I mean, you're right. His his strikeout percentage is is uh, you know sixty. He's striking out guys like sixty percent of the league average. Now that's that's not going to get it done. You look at his his base winner, ERA, 5.34. McLaughlin has been good. You know he's been striking out guys 28 percent better than average, and his base winner, ERA is 3.72. So I think it's a good spot to 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 play against the White Sox and. You know, either either way you go, let's hope they they score a lot of
3: runs. I'll I'll
4: let you go on this because we only have sixty seconds. But you know, much of baseball betting for me is just fading guys who, let's face it, are not good at baseball from a pitching standpoint. Um, year after year, we do this. Who are you, who is on your Mount Rushmore of twenty twenty one? As soon as you see them come up on the slate, you look to see if there's a price to fade them. Who are those guys? Is Matt well, Harvey Matt Harvey's on the
7: card today? Yeah. but... It's just I don't know. I mean, that's a good fade against. Brett um, Anderson's on the card today, and it's it's you got to look and look at all the, the components of the game. But those two pitchers today are guys that that I'm looking to, to to bet against. It just didn't didn't quite work out today.
4: Matt Harvey of the Orioles again, the Tribe, minus 170 favorites, and Brett Anderson uh, for Milwaukee. Kind of a coin flip against Luis Castillo and the Reds. But again, the plays from Mark. Uh, he's on the Rays, and he's laying the wood with the Padres. That addition to my first five over four minus 125 first five between the Rays and the White Sox. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it as always. My pleasure, Gil. Thanks a lot. Mark Borchardt, at base winner from an undisclosed location somewhere in the desert. We'll come back. Paul Sporer on baseball. Uh, we'll talk to Paul Carr about uh, Euro 2020. And Dan Bespris, best audio in the biz on the NBA Next on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network.